to be here. Fantastic worship. Thank you. I love it when in unexpected moments we are ushered into the presence of God as we are now and as we have been in this service. This is probably one of my most favorite passages to speak to because this, this sermon is the life-giving sermon for the world. Pentecost is the life-changing day for the world. It is the most understated fact in history, I think. Because the fact is that, as we remembered last week, something happened to make 12 people come out and preach with such power of Jesus Christ that we are here 2,000 years later still learning. Isn't that great? That's good. That's good. And the great thing about today's passage is we're going to understand uh, what it means. I'm going to suggest to you that Peter's life-giving phrase, let me explain, is just that. It is the life-giving phrase that opens our souls to the work of Jesus Christ in our salvation. I'd like to reflect on this word. There is an action for us to do today, and we are going to celebrate that action, do that action, and celebrate then by having a communion service, a communion together. And then there's also a second action, which is to go out. Um, some stories. Those of you will know that Pat and I have had quite a complex month. Uh, we've had one wedding and four funerals, or four funerals and a wedding is the name of my film. And a month ago, I had a wedding in uh, uh, Inverness, which I took of friends of mine, then came straight down to Bath to go to London on Monday, or St. Albans, near London, uh, for the service of funeral uh, of a childhood friend of mine who died of cancer, age 62. At the end of that week, we went home to Pat's mum's funeral and service of Thanksgiving. And then I was in Inverness last week for my third funeral. The fourth one hasn't happened yet, but she has died. And she was somebody who took me to Uganda and introduced me to healing, the ministry of healing. And the reason to mention that is because we have been held in the loving arms of God. We have learned that it is possible to weep, and we have wept. We have wept within the loving arms of God. I'd like to read to you from one of the addresses. This was addressed given, to, given by Pippa to a service full of the property developers from London. If you can imagine that scene, Richard had gone to London, uh, my childhood friend, and had been worked in property and was a professional musician and cyclist. And so Pippa, at his funeral, said these words, said, um, it was therefore a surprise one Sunday to see Richard and Chris in my church because normally he cycles. And she explained that he'd gone to church two years ago to say to her, would you please help me reconnect with the faith of my childhood? I know that faith well because his parents and my parents were close, close friends. St. Peter's Heswell was their church and we had Christmases together and all that. And she went on to explain that they started talking and learning and she eventually took communion to him in his home when he could no longer get to church. And the last thing he said to her is he said that he wasn't walking the path alone because he knew that God was with him. I'd like to read to you the conclusion of her address. Richard died early on the morning we know as Good Friday, the day when Christians remember how another man died. Some might say that he too died when he was too young. Three days later, that man came back to life and was seen by his friends. The resurrection of Jesus enables Christians to believe that death is no longer to be feared. 
and she talked about in my father's house there are many rooms and she said these words in conclusion Jesus lived his life to give us an example of how to live a life that is pleasing to God he showed us the way he showed us the truth he calls us all to follow in his footsteps he calls us to make a journey of faith a journey of self-discovery a journey that leads to our heavenly home a journey to a place where there are many rooms that is the journey that Richard has taken and I and many others in a church packed were weeping at that point it was a profound moment in a wonderful service but a beautiful statement of the gospel the hope that we have in Jesus Christ in all circumstances and so I tell you that first story really as a prelude there's one more story to tell and that is an experience of the miraculous forgive me I'll tell you this too this happened last week in Shepton Manor I was there with a friend of mine Keith Powell some of you will know him he and I worked together and we were praying with a minister of a new church in Shepton at the start of his ministry and as I arrived I arrived about a few minutes late and as I arrived um, I sat down and said I think this is going to be an exciting morning that sense you know you have that sometimes you think hello God is here we started talking and one of the groundsmen came in from the grounds and said oh Jonathan the lightning conductor is bust okay it's broken okay and I said again I don't know what that means Jonathan I can't explain it but I think that's going to be important this morning okay so so far so I'm telling you this in real time okay the next thing was he came back in saying I found a bit that's missing and he came with a bit of lightning conductor and said Jonathan that was the evidence you see Anyway, we then carried on a fantastic morning and we were praying together and in the end, as we normally do, in meetings like that, we were praying for each other and Keith Powell and I were praying for this man at the start of his ministry in Shepton Mallet. And Keith suddenly said, I've worked it out. I know what that means. Lightning conductors normally take power away from buildings. What God is saying this morning is God wants to fill this building with power. Pretty good? Wait for it. Jonathan then said, okay, so what do I do now? Do I mend the lightning conductor? <laughs> and I said, yes, you do now, because it served its purpose. We've had that word. That word is for you, and you must protect your building. Yes? Wait for it. He goes outside to find that a member of the PCC has already mended the lightning conductor. What about that? Isn't that good? I drove home on fire. It reminded me, it reminded me another time with Keith Powell, we went over to Basel in uh, Switzerland to do a house weekend for a church. I had an amazing time. Uh, it often happens on weekends and we saw the miraculous on the way home. Uh, Keith and I debriefed and we made notes on the miraculous. Okay? And one of the things that happened we couldn't explain was that Keith had done a workshop on prophecy and in that workshop, somebody, a stranger, has said to Keith, I don't know what this means, but I have seen, uh, I've got a, the picture of a swarm of bees. And so we dutifully wrote that down, knowing that if that was significant, the Lord would explain it in due course. And we drove home, and we got home, and I got back to my house. And do you know what? I got back to my house, and Pat said, Nigel, great, great to have you back. We've had quite a weekend. Because yesterday, as I was outside, I looked down the road, and there coming towards us was a cloud, a swarm of bees. And the swarm of bees hit the house, we closed the windows, and collected a tree, and here's a photograph. Kachunk. Amazing! I rang out Keith and I said, Keith, I've just been told God was with us in Basel. He's just confirmed it. 
The point is this, the point is this, that sometimes we need to pause and remember the experiences that we have of God. It's very easy in today's hurly-burly to, to forget them. I drove back from Shepton Mallet, I think legally, but I was on fire. I was really excited about, this, about the lightning conductor. It is extraordinary, isn't it, to have that confirmed. I've tried to tell you with the same excitement. I'm going to suggest to you that Peter was on fire when he gave this sermon. It is the most extraordinary sermon, isn't it? We've got the dynamic. We've got the dynamic. And here's Peter. Here's Peter, a fisherman, human being, a Peter who's so vulnerable in many ways, who's so weak in many ways, and yet loved beyond love by Jesus, his Lord. Peter made strong again. Peter restored. Peter who loses his nerve on Monday, Thursday. That amazing story in John's Gospel where, where, where Jesus reinstates him and says, now go and build my church. And so here's Peter now talking about his friend. Let's just look at some points in this talk, this amazing talk. The first is, he stands up and in a loud voice, he says, let me explain. So we had this commotion, complete pandemonium. Lots of pandemonium stories to tell you. I haven't got time, but the Holy Spirit does cause pandemonium, Correct. Thank you, very good. He does, he does, he does. Anyway, there was Peter, and he, he links in, doesn't he? He links in saying, friends, friends, these guys are not drunk because it's nine o'clock in the morning. I hope they think, good point. Anyway, certainly they were listening. And then Peter goes on, doesn't he, and uses words from the prophet Joel to say, this is what is happening. They will have been familiar with those scriptures. If they didn't know them, they would have been reminded of them by his quote. And then Peter then goes through and reminds them of the miraculous. I think this is so important. I've not told that story about the bees for about three years. I was reminded because of my excitement last Wednesday, because we were, we were shown last Wednesday that God wanted to speak to us. And it reminds me of the pure excitement of things like that we can see and sometimes are shown the miraculous. And we must remember and tell people who will understand. It builds up our understanding. So Peter here says to the people, you saw Jesus, you saw him amongst you. He was teaching, preaching and healing. You saw him. And then he goes on to say, and what then happened to him was all part of God's plan, actually. There's no judgment here. He's not condemning the people he's talking to. He's saying, this is what happened. And then Jesus overcame death. We've seen him again. We've seen him. He's spoken to us. He's come back. He has overcome death for our forgiveness. And then he goes back to mention David. David, the greatest king in Israel, loved by them. And he says, as David foresaw, this is what has happened. So he's building up. He's explaining to them through the scriptures, what is happening at that moment in real time as they are hearing Jesus' name in their various tongues. He talks about David's tomb. Now, we've seen David's tomb. Uh, if I could say to you, it's slightly crummy, actually. It's there, but there, there, there are cigarette-smoking soldiers outside. It's the tomb of a dead man. with the tomb of a man who was a great king. And, of course, um, uh, Peter alludes to this and then says, yes, but Jesus is alive. And these fantastic phrases that he says to the people, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus 
whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. A fantastic concluding moment to a group of people. So, Peter has explained what is going on. And this fantastic moment, the work of the Holy Spirit, when the people turn round and they were cut to the heart, not the head, cut to the heart, the soul, right deep within. We prayed for that earlier. And said, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter looks at them directly and says, it is quite straightforward. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit. Our God is calling you. Today is Trinity Sunday. How wonderful we have this blessing, this instruction, the three persons of our God. I was talking to somebody recently about my last month. And this is somebody who's a youth worker, who's a colleague of mine in the Diocese of Bath and Wells. And he said, Nigel, don't answer immediately, but just tell me, one, have a think, and tell me the one word that actually sums up your last month. And I thought, and very clearly, and, and, and clearly said, it's the word hope. And he said, Nigel, I knew you say that. But actually, we have a hope in Jesus Christ that is unique and is absolute. Many people, particularly of the student age, are now living by luck, or they're living by chance. There's such a need to proclaim, as Peter proclaimed on that first sermon, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. A profound hope in all circumstances. It is a remarkable message. And we hear on that day, don't we, something else. We talk about this talk, but then we have a little insight into what Peter then did. Marks of effort. He says, with many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourselves. You get the impression that he's given this, given this message out, he's explained it. Then he goes over it again and patiently again and again and again. We know this because he's written these words in his, last, in his letter. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord... Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Always be prepared to give those who ask a reason for the hope that you have. And I get the picture that on this first day, he said, look, actually, you can imagine him sitting down with the scripture, look, it's here, it's here, it's here. And on that day, the church is born and 3,000 people are baptized. So, what about us today? This fantastic reminder. And there are two things that I'd like to draw out from this. As we go to communion, we're going to use a very simple communion prayer from my owner. But we're going to start off with a particular form of confession. This is the where we come. Jesus loves it, doesn't he? When we come to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Or often for me, Lord, I've done it again. I'm sorry. And that heart song, he will always hear and he will always answer the hope that we have. 
and then we're going to do that together now and we're going to have communion and then we're going to just the second action if you like is to go out and tell because this salvation is the salvation of the world and how do we hear about it from other people why are we here because then 12 men went out let's think of the countless generations since then the countless mission workers my commitment is mission work in the UK there's such a need in this country so at the end of this though is we're going to say to God send us out in the power of your spirit to proclaim the hope that we have